All right. Welcome back to the Thriving Thyroid Podcast. You guys, I have Leanna Bru Lee. Yeah, I said that right. Leanna Brubaker. Um, I have a niece named Leanna. And so I just looking at the names, I always gonna probably mess that up. Um, Leanna specializes in Epstein Barr. And I'm really excited to have this conversation because we know that Epstein Barr is associated and related to thyroid. Um so welcome, Leanna. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Yeah. So let's just start with your story and then we'll go into what Epstein-Barr is and how people may come to suspect it and all of those wonderful things. So, yeah, sure. Um, I was born and raised in Virginia in the U.S. and I met and married this tall, dark and handsome Canadian man. Have you ever read Jeanette Oak books back in the day? It's pretty far back, but um, the Royal Canadian Mountie always made my heart flutter. And my husband isn't in the police force, but he is everything else. Uh, my husband and I, we lived overseas for quite a few years and over there standard practice to be given your blood and test results after seeing a doctor. When we would have a medical issue and need to see a doctor, I would always go online to make sure that what was prescribed was acceptable or similar to what would be prescribed in Canada or the U.S., with four children, I got really good at scoping out an issue and what would be standard practice in dealing with it, even before seeing a doctor. Mm. And then I had a couple of medical issues that the doctors couldn't figure out um, what was wrong. And with the mentality that I could research on my own, I was able to figure it out myself. It was pretty empowering. Eventually, we moved back to Canada and I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's hypothyroidism. And um, I'm pretty certain that I had symptoms starting back when I was 22, but mm. back then the doctors only tested my TSH and told me everything was normal. Um, and as you know, by the way, a lot of people who have Epstein-Barr also have Hashimoto's um, and Epstein-Barr can take the blame for most autoimmune diseases. Hypothyroidism comes with a lot of the same symptoms as Epstein-Barr. So when I was extremely tired, I just thought that my thyroid medication was off and I needed to increase. Little did I know there was something else lurking under the surface. In my particular case, I was exhausted and so tired all the time. Anybody with hypothyroidism knows like what I'm talking about. Absolutely no energy to do anything else. And I was lucky to be able to still work, but barely. Um, it was part-time, but it did take away from my family time because I would push myself to get through the day. When I got home, I'd crash and, you know, just do the bare minimum. Um, it's really hard to describe the exhaustion. It's not like I was falling asleep every moment. Although I had lots of those, it's more like my brain would say, I really should sweep the floor. And my body would say, no can do. My <laughs> legs felt really heavy and achy and I had no energy or desire to do anything else. And when I did get up to do something, all I wanted to do was sit or lay down. Um, I had trouble thinking clearly. If I would be trying to cook and follow a recipe, I would lose my place or have to double check if I did that step. I had trouble making plans or remembering plans. Making arrangements for my children to have friends over was so difficult. I also had a lot of joint pain. To get down on the floor to change my son was possible, but I could hardly stand up again because of the pain. My feet and ankles were swollen and my entire body ached with every movement. I had to sleep on my back because if I slept on my side, my arms and legs would lose circulation and fall asleep. When I got out of bed, the bottoms of my feet hurt from walking for the first 10 minutes. 
And I was stiff and walked hunched over until my body warmed up. So um, I did have an appointment with my family doctor and I mentioned all of the things that I was feeling. She ran some blood work and referred me to a rheumatologist who ran more blood work only to discover that I had a reactivation of Epstein-Barr virus. No. I didn't even know I had Epstein-Barr to begin with. Um, and this, like, it wasn't like a lot quick, sorry. It wasn't as quick as that made it sound. It took about nine months to get all of that done. Um, and what did my doctors recommend for treatment? Nothing, absolutely nothing. Yeah. So I joined Facebook groups and I started researching. I put together a protocol for myself, purchased the supplements and got started. Thankfully it worked. I love that. Um, so one of a couple of things, first and foremost, I know the listeners are going to be like, oh my gosh, you just described me to a T. <laughs> you know, I've heard people saying when they get out of bed in the morning, they feel like they're walking on glass or they feel like um, their body is just tired or they feel like they have a weighted vest on them where it's like, I just, I want to do the things, but I can't. Um, so, I mean, it sounds like this is something that you also experienced. So when they told you you had a reactivation of Epstein-Barr, um, how, how did, how was that feeling for you? What were your thoughts that you experienced during that? Um, well, I was like, it was one of the tests I had requested because I knew that Epstein-Barr could be one of the root causes of Hashimoto's. Um, but I was a little bit surprised. Um, but like my first thought was mono, I have mono. That's like why I feel so terrible. So when I knew that, um, and like, as you know, like mono and Epstein-Barr, like Epstein-Barr can cause the mono symptoms. Um, but when I knew that I had mono or Epstein-Barr, I told my family that I have mono. And when you say the word mono, people understand more clearly, like how you're feeling. They know that you feel like crap and you can hardly do anything and you're really tired all the time. Um, so it was really freeing to be able to say that. And then, um, my family helped out more and they could understand why I was feeling so terrible. Isn't that interesting that like you say Epstein bar and people are like, Oh, you must feel like garbage. And then you say you have Hashimoto's and they're like, okay. (laughs) And just kind of move on. Yeah. Yeah. Or did you not experience that part of it? Well, like you say Hashimoto's and they're like, what's that? Like, I don't know what that is. And I'm like, well, your thyroid is slow and they're like, okay. But they don't understand how your thyroid not functioning properly affects every aspect of your body's function because it affects all your organs and um, yeah, your brain and just everything. You have cold hands and feet and yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you, so after you found out you went and researched cause they didn't give you any help and you started taking supplements. So what is your background? Did you go on to like get education or how did you get to be where you're at right now? Yeah. So, um, I'm a self learner, self-taught. So, um, I've always been really interested in medical. Um, but I, like I was a dental assistant for a while. Um, 
but like I never did the studies to become certified in any of that. So I'm just a normal person who loves to study and research and I don't mind trying things out on myself. So, um, so yeah, like that's my background. Amazing. Amazing. So what is Epstein-Barr and how do you know if you have it or yeah. Okay. Yeah. Epstein-Barr is one of the nine herpes viruses and it's one of the main viruses, like I said, to cause mono. Um, and it's a well-known fact that 90 to 95% of the world's population has Epstein-Barr lurking inside of them. So that's like nine out of 10 people that have it. Um, and it may not be active uh, in everybody. Obviously it isn't, but it's still in their bodies. Epstein-Barr enters our bodies often when we're young and can even be passed to us from birth. Usually the body fights it off with no symptoms alerting us that's even there. However, there is a part of the virus that remains. When the body fights it off, the virus creates a protective shield against our immune system so that our immune system doesn't recognize it as an enemy. So like, I don't know if you watched any of your kids' movies, like I think in Megamind, there's a car that's invisible. And yeah. that's kind of like the Epstein-Barr virus where it, it, it has this um, invisibility about it. It's in there and it affects our cells and everything, but you can't, the body, the immune system can't see it. So um, sometimes our body puts it into, like makes it go dormant. So it hides and goes dormant somewhere inside of us. It could be in our throat or organs or blood cells. When our bodies become stressed, really tired or sick from other viruses, such as COVID, Epstein-Barr pops out and seizes the opportunity to take over. People with weakened immune systems, like when you have a virus, um, are more likely to have symptoms appear with reactivation. Research has linked Epstein-Barr to COVID long haulers, which means that COVID reactivated Epstein-Barr, and these COVID long haulers actually have Epstein-Barr. Um, and Epstein-Barr has been linked as a cause to a lot of diseases, including, but not limited to multiple sclerosis, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, lupus, type one diabetes, celiac, and inflammatory bowel disease. In some cases it can cause cancer such as Hodgkin's lymphoma, Burkitt's lymphoma, gastric carcinoma, breast cancer, and leukemia. This is really interesting. So just my own story, all of my listeners, if they've been around for the last year, um, I got COVID last September and I was eight months pregnant, nine months pregnant, seven months. I don't know. I was pregnant. I was due in January and I, it took me a long time to recover. And part, like I remember saying to my husband, I don't know if this is like pregnancy related because I'm so tired or because I'm in my third trimester, like, or if this is like the effects of COVID and I literally within this last week, I'm like, I'm starting to feel normal again. And it's, I mean, it's been literally almost a year since I've had my baby, um, wow. and like third, whatever, September, October, November, 12, 13, 14, about 15 months since I've had COVID. And I'm like, I'm just starting to feel normal. So, and I know I had Epstein-Barr as a kid. I didn't, or mono, I should say. I had mono 
I was never officially diagnosed with it. Um, but I was like, there's no way I didn't have it. My best friend had it and we slept in the same bed and we shared food and <laughs> like, you know, all of those things. And looking back, all of, like all of the fatigue that I had, everybody thought I was super depressed. I'd wake up, drag myself out of bed, go to school, come home and go to sleep. They would wake me up for dinner and I would go back to sleep, you know? <laughs> wow. And, yeah. You know, at 14, 15, like you don't have the language to be like, I'm just so tired. I was like, I'm tired. I'm sleepy. <laughs> like, so that's really interesting. The, the connection to COVID long haulers, um, because again, for myself, I just kind of chalked some of this up to like pregnancy, postpartum, you know, that. Yeah. Yeah. It's easy to do that. Um, yeah. A lot of people don't realize that Epstein-Barr is actually um, reactivated like after COVID and that's um, it's, they share the same symptoms. So, um, but there's research coming out now and a lot more people are becoming aware and some doctors know about testing for Epstein-Barr if they have COVID long haul and some don't. So, you know, the awareness is getting out there. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, some of it is just because COVID is new and we're all, we're all learning together. Yeah, um, for sure. So how does it affect our life long-term? How would COVID affect our life long-term at life, <laughs> lifelong? Um, and can it be cured? Or how do we manage EBV? Yeah. So if you don't mind, I'm just going to back up a, one step and um, share some of the symptoms. Like we've talked a little bit about the symptoms and then there's some specific tests that can be um, taken for that. Um, so some of the symptoms include fatigue, brain fog, skin rashes, and mouth sores. Um, some people don't know that the mouth sores are actually from Epstein-Barr. Other symptoms include difficulty sleeping, joint and muscle pain, sore throat, headaches, and fever. Um, and for testing, there's a four panel blood test that can be ordered. Um, EAIgG, which is early antigen, VCAIgM, which is viral capsid antigen, VCAIgG, which is viral capsid antigen, but with the IgG form, and then EBNA IgG, which is the nuclear antigen. Um, and if you're worried about remembering all those tests, don't stress, uh, you can go to vibrantheeledlife.com forward slash test to download a PDF with the information that you need for getting tested if you're concerned about that. Um, and then how does it affect your life long-term? If your body can't fight off Epstein-Barr, you will feel horrible. The current symptoms will continue and more symptoms will appear. The virus will cause your immune system to attack your own organs, creating multiple autoimmune diseases. It's a miserable way to live. As for a cure, I'd like to share two things. From the medical perspective at this time, it is said to be uncurable. The best case scenario is deactivating the virus. It will remain in your system, and as long as you eat properly and don't get too stressed or have hormonal changes, it will stay dormant. As soon as one of those changes, it has opportunity to become active and do damage. I will say that I have learned what to take to deactivate it and to keep it that way. I know what to do to keep it under control, and it's a matter of having supplies on hand and recognizing the symptoms. 
Now, from alternative medicine, I have heard that stem cell treatment can be an effective course of action for those who are not able to manage Epstein-Barr. One case study was of a lady who had Epstein-Barr, blood tests confirmed it, and after her stem cell treatment, she was retested and the blood test results had no evidence of it anymore. The reason it's so astounding is because usually, even after deactivating the virus, there are still antibodies showing that it was there. So some of the tests that I just mentioned, some of them are testing to see if you had it in the past, and some of them are testing to see if you have it now. So stem cell treatment could be considered a cure. Um, yeah, so it's a great option. And I want to add that if you're considering stem cell treatment, make sure it's a reputable place. And I know of one and I'm planning to go there next year. So if you are interested in that, you can ask me more. Awesome. Yeah. Um, is it, I might have to go get the baby. Hold on. Um, <laughs> she should be napping. So how, okay. So stem cell research and stem cell stuff. I don't even know what to call it. Treatment, um, is incredible for people in the States. Well, let me ask about the treatment center. Is it something that people have to pay out of pocket or is it something that they'll work with their insurance or what they have? Yeah. So what, um, the States doesn't, the States in Canada, neither one of those have it, um, approved for, uh, straight up treatment. Um, so what they're working on in the States and Canada is they're taking like, say your liver isn't functioning properly. They'll, um, I'm actually sure if it's the liver, which organ they take out, they give it stem cell treatment, then they put it back in. Um, the place that I'm talking about is in Mexico and it is out of pocket. It's not cheap, but you do want to make sure that you're getting, you know, good quality and, um, stem cells that are verified and tested and all of that. Cause you don't want to put anything that's not tested in your body. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think, like you said, if you are a listener and you're considering some kind of treatment, just please make sure it's a reputable place. Um, I know they're like in Mexico and other places, they have treatments that we just don't have access to. Um, I have a friend who has very progressive stage four cancer and, um, she has been receiving treatment out of the country and it's working phenomenal for her. She has multiple kids. And so anything to prolong her life is, is absolutely, um, uh, a good choice, right? Like, I don't, yeah. I don't know how to say that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, so. you know, um, I'm going, but like, I have learned how to manage Hashimoto's and I've learned how to manage the Epstein-Barr. I, I also dealt with SIBO um, and I learned how to treat that as well. Um, so my quality of life is quite good. Um, so I'm going and I'm going to get some stem cell treatment as well um, to take care of. I have a lot of um, allergies, food allergies and things. So there's certain, a lot of foods that I can't eat. So I've heard that that's one of the first things that stem cells fixes is your food allergies. It, fits, it fixes your gut. So, um, I'm really excited about that, but I'm also taking my daughter, um, who has some heart issues and we're going to see if that will help as well. 
So it's, it's really neat progressive treatment. Um, and it's unfortunate it's not available here and with insurance, but you know, one way I look at it is I could be spending $10,000 in the next few years on supplements and different things here and there, or I can go there and get like an even better life back. So yeah, it's just how you look at it there, I guess. Yeah, no. And I, I love that you bring that up. And this is something that's been on my mind the last couple of days, um, is because, okay, this is like a side story, but it's going to come back to health. So we built this house a couple of years or about two years ago, and we have this mudroom. We need to do a built-in, but we've bought all kinds of like baskets and bins and hooks and like everything only to like put a band-aid on it. And I walk in there and I'm like, it's still a crazy mess, right? Like I still, this is not a functional room. I'm going to go crazy. And I finally like had to come to Jesus, talk with my husband. I was like, it needs to be done before the end of the year, because we've bought all these things. The bins haven't held up. Nobody uses it. Like just bags are thrown on the floor. Like there's no organization to it. And we've spent money and probably more money than it would have been to just do the thing. And I think sometimes that's what we do with our help. We, we want to just take a pill or we want to just, um, eat a Brussels sprout or drink water and like everything to magically go away. But we don't look at over time what it's costing us, the cost of like financially not finding real answers, real solutions. Um, you know, luckily for you, you did enough research and you were able to figure it out. But for some people who maybe don't have the time, don't have the maybe aptitude or the desire to learn, but they want to feel better. That's where investing in working with a coach, working with a mentor is so much more powerful than trying to figure it out on your own. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. Okay. Um, let's go back (laughs) to talk about how long it does it take for you to heal or see results in regards to feeling better from Epstein-Barr? Yeah. Um, I started the protocol and I noticed a positive change in the first two weeks. Um, but it took about two months for me to say, Hey, I'm feeling great all the time, not just for a day or two here and there, but like all the time. Um, and I'm not sure if you've heard about the Herxheimer effect or die off making you feel worse. Um, This protocol is designed to reduce the effects of die off. It takes a little longer, but it's a much more gentle approach to healing. Um, This is kind of a side note, and maybe you don't have an answer uh, for this, but how, if somebody has Epstein-Barr and um, Lyme's disease, are they connected or can like some of this over, like some of what you do for Epstein-Barr overlap with um, Lyme's disease or any of those other infections? Yeah, um, for sure. Like Epstein-Barr can um, definitely play a part in having lupus or Lyme's disease or some of these other things. Um, So 
sometimes it's hard to know which, which one to treat first. Yeah. Um, yeah. but like treating Epstein-Barr would be beneficial for, for the lupus or the Lyme or, you know, whatever else you might have, because it eliminates that process going on in your body that, um, so then your body can focus more on healing from the, the Lyme or the other thing as well. And a lot of, you know, a lot of our lifestyle is, um, lifestyle is very instrumental in how we heal too. So like eating healthy, uh, reducing stress or managing stress and, you know, all of that is, is influential with, with any of these diseases. So like if you're eating healthy for Epstein-Barr, which that will also help the Lyme or the lupus or that kind of thing as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Totally makes sense. Um, so we talked about how long it takes, right? Did we Mm -hmm. talk about that? Okay. (laughs) Um, if I had this, what num, what is the number one thing that you, so if you, if someone had Epstein-Barr, maybe they know, maybe they've been tested, maybe they've been, they suspect whatever. Um, what is one thing that they can do to make a difference for them? Okay. Um, well, I have a book so they could buy the book and that would be an easy way to have a step-by-step direction on what to do. Um, but otherwise like eat healthy, choose fruits and vegetables over junk food, eat clean meats and protein, manage stress and be happy. Um, but there are like, there are other natural antivirals that can be taken. Um, and they are important because, um, they fight specifically against the Epstein-Barr virus. So, um, so yeah, getting knowledge on some antivirals, um, taking things like colloidal silver, um, there's coconut oil, which is very good for, like it's an antifungal, antiviral, um, antibacterial thing to take. Um, and there's L-lysine and monolaurin and there's cat's claw. Like there's a whole list of things that can be done. Um, but yeah, in the book, I, I go over it and, um, it's just a, it's a simple two-step protocol and it's easy. It's not expensive to buy the supplements and, um, just follow directions and should make a big difference. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Liana. Is there, um, we're going to link everything up in the show notes. I know we've talked about this. So vibranthealedlife.com. And you said the, the testing information is vibranthealedlife.com slash um, testing. But if people want to follow you on social media or connect with you, how can they do that? Yeah. So I have an Instagram and a Facebook page. It's both under Vibrant Healed Life. Uh, vibranthealedlife.com right now, there's a, a key nutrients blueprint. If somebody wants to get, to get, um, a list of all of the key nutrients that you need to, to live a healthy life. Um, and then there's also the book kiss fatigue goodbye and say hello to energy. That's also available. So you can connect with me anywhere there. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and then to buy the book, you just go to your website and is that the only place they can find it or is there? Yeah, right now it's only available on my website. Um, okay. Yeah, the book is vibranthealedlife.com forward slash kiss fatigue goodbye. Um, 
or you can go to vibranthealthlife.com, get the key nutrients, and that will take you to the sales page for the book as well. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you so much. Is there anything, any last words of wisdom or anything the listeners should know before we close today? Yeah, I would say just never give up. Like it is possible to heal and to feel better. So never give up, believe that you can, and you can do it. Awesome. Thank you so much. We will see you guys on the next.